Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. There is a way to release our yesterdays, to say goodbye to the incarceration of all the years in the past to rid ourselves of captivity. In fact, since we're focused on prayer this week on Daily Devotion, I want to remind you there is a prayer that can set you free. There is a verse in Job, Job 42.10, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Let me give you that verse in another translation. After Job had prayed for his three friends, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. This prayer to God that was directed outward toward his friends, that's the prayer that will set you free. The book of Job is thought to be the oldest in the Bible. In this story, we have an ancient man who focused on the next generation. It was early in his story. We find that he prayed for his family. He offered sacrifices for them. Job was a Caring, sharing man. Do you remember the story of Johnny Chapman or Johnny Appleseed? He crisscrossed this country planting apple trees. He would not get to enjoy the fruit of those trees, but it was his passion. Nelson Henderson once said, The true meaning of life is to plant trees under whose shade you do not expect to sit. Job was determined to extend the shade of goodness and righteousness into the next generation. He sacrificed for his family. In fact, to the casual observer, it would seem that he lived for his family. But while he loved his family, time and events would prove that one came first in his life. Job loved the Lord. Oh, how he loved the Lord. Some things you need to know about this man. He was wealthy. Check. He had a wife and many children, check. He had many possessions, check. He was generous with those possessions, check. But don't omit from his biography his great love for and faith in God. Otherwise, you wouldn't know Job at all. What can be said about Job? God called him righteous. God had confidence in this man. Job had a great faith in God. He had a great wife and children. He did have many possessions and herds and blessings, and he was generous with all of these. Someone once asked John Wesley what life was all about. He said it in these words, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times that you can, to all the people you can so long as you ever can. Wesley followed his own prescription. Jesus lived that life. Paul did as well. So did Job. But the book of Job would not be in the Bible if the story stopped there. Tragedy struck. And when it did, we see Job for who he really is and who God knew him to be. He had faith for the tough times. In three successive blows, He lost his herds, then his flocks, and then his children. Then to add insult to injury, his health suffered. 
No longer do we read of Job praying for others. We no longer find him sacrificing for others. We find him understandably pouring out his own grief before God, asking God, why did this happen to me? Trying to wrap his mind around his unfortunate circumstances. Tough times breed tough questions. Tough times can foster a spirit of hurt and even self-righteousness, the what did I do to deserve this attitude. Tough times can cause you to become a recluse. In tough times, most people try to play it safe. They don't want to extend themselves, become vulnerable before God or man. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 11, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. People who are going through adversity forget to sow. They forget that the power is not in the holding on, but in the letting go. Job is reduced to holding on. To aid him or to deter him, depending upon your point of view, Job had some friends gather around him to give their opinion. Let me give you a word about Job's friends. Tough times can gather an assortment of people around you that do not necessarily aid in your recovery, but they do provide the rationale for whatever you wish to believe about it. Picture this, Job has lost his family, his wealth, his health. He didn't lose his faith in God. He holds on to his confidence, and his friends gather, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And they tried to convince Job that the only reason this happened is that somehow he was hiding sin. He had somehow charged God foolishly and so forth. Job refuted their arguments, and finally God shows up and vindicates Job. Yet one thing you will notice is that Job's friends, whether they gave him good counsel or not, they stuck with him. From chapters 2 through 37, throughout the entire calamity, until God shows up, Job's friends were there. Their counsel was wrong, yet they failed to meet the definition of false friends in the Bible because false friends have bad fruit, 2 Samuel 13. They betray trust, Proverbs 27. They tempt you to be less than God wants you to be, 1 Corinthians 15. They turn their backs on you when you're in need, Proverbs 3. They bring strife and division in your life, Proverbs 16. Job's friends were wrong, but they were there, trying their best to sort out the situation, but falling short and bringing little comfort to him. But in a real sense, their words did no good. It would have been far better for them to simply be near Job than to try to rationalize or explain what was going on because their attempts to do so caused God to grow angry with them. They had attempted to speak for God, to explain God, to tell Job what God was thinking, and they spoke errors again and again, and they falsely accused both God and Jacob. The solution? First, sacrifice. God told these friends of Job, take seven bullocks, seven rams, make sacrifice to God in Job's presence. The second thing I want you to do, God said, I want you to have Job pray for you. I will accept his prayer. For these three friends, this was a test. Could they admit everything they had said was wrong? Could they humble themselves? 
could they offer sacrifices? For Job, too, this was a test. Would he, could he accept their apologies? Would he pray for the men who charged him and God foolishly? We have seen that Job loved and trusted God. We have seen Job's great patience and faith in the midst of perseverance. Now we will see what a great man he really was and why God had so much confidence in Job and in his prayers. He already knew what Job would do, and he knew what Job would say. Job prayed for his friends, these friends who had brought him such cold comfort. These friends, though, who had been there. Job could have been offended. He could have held that against them the rest of their lives. But you know that offense is a prison, and it's the prayer of forgiveness that's the key that sets us free. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches us to love and pray for our enemies. There are three words in the Greek used for enemies. One simply means somebody who hates you. The second means they're actively at war with you. And the third means they are alienated from you and refuse to be reconciled. What we learn from Job's passage is that people who charge you foolishly or hate you have God to deal with, that the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. Your battle, my battle, is to keep our heart pure and our life open to God's blessings. Don't overlook the power found in the prayer of forgiveness. Why? Why should we love them? Why should we pray for them? Because in so doing, Jesus said, we are like our heavenly Father. Why? Here's another reason found in the life of Job. When Job prayed for his friends, they were set free. But so was he. Job's prayer was the freedom prayer. God reversed his fortunes, gave him twice as much. People who had turned their back on him came back. They consoled him and comforted him. They brought gifts, a piece of gold, a piece of silver. His latter life was blessed more than his former. He was given seven sons and three daughters. He got to live a long life. He got to see his great-great-grandchildren. When Job set others free, he set himself free. When we pray the freedom prayer, we release the offense and we permit God to bless us and to free us for what he has for the remainder of our lives. I read a true story of a woman named Sarah who carried a lot of hurt into her adult years. She had a relative, Samantha, nicknamed Sam, who brought her so much grief. Sam constantly put Sarah down, called her ugly, made her feel inferior, endless tears, constant heartache, all through her young life. Even years later, as an adult, when the thought of Sam came up, it made her stomach churn. Until one night, Sarah had had enough. She told God she no longer wanted to carry that burden. She wanted to forgive Sam and ask God to help her. It was a simple prayer. It was offered quietly, privately, no fireworks, no shooting stars, no great demonstrations. Any time for then on that she thought of Sam, she would pray that prayer again and again until the name Sam no longer was a hateful word, 
it became a neutral word. And for the first time in 10 years, Sarah could think of Sam and hear the name Sam without hatred and hurt forming in her heart. It's amazing enough, but not the end of the story. For the power of forgiveness, of answered prayer, changed her life. It was two years after this complete release of her hatred for Sam that Sarah fell in love and married a man named Sam. Kind of curious. How many times do we stop God from blessing us because we're still holding a remnant of the past? The Sam of yesterday's hurt prevents the Sam of tomorrow's happiness. It's time to pray the freedom prayer. Are you ready for it? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's time to ask God to help us to forgive. Yes, we ought to make a list and we need to check it twice. We know who the people are. The people that every time we see them or hear their name, it grieves our spirit. Release those who have hurt you. Release those who charged you foolishly. Pray the freedom prayer and discover the only person that was in bondage was not them. It's you. Release yourself from the prison of offense and an unforgiving spirit. And watch what happens. The blessings that were flowing away from you will begin to flow towards you. It's time. It's time here on Daily Devotion that each of us pray the freedom prayer and forgive others and see what God has in store for us. Thank you for sharing in Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.